0: Most people listen to podcasts to learn something, to be entertained, and to walk away feeling inspired, perhaps even educated a bit. Hello, I'm Devo, and I'm one of the two hosts of our show, The Little Impolite Podcast. Welcome, and thanks for listening. This show is for the expansive, open-minded, creative whose persistent curiosity towards integrating new information in their lives never stops. Think of it as the Free thinkers toolkit for anyone that refuses to enroll in the conformity of all of those around them, instead forging their own paths with fortitude and love. It's that slightly unapologetic conversation with that new friend you just met that sort of wistfully and effortlessly pushes the conversation into spaces that you never expected. It's the deep hearted conversations with purposeful and thoughtful individuals that have. Finally figured out their superpowers and are now pouring into it with gusto and love. We're delighted to host these conversations with you that lead us down the conversation well. But watch your step, because most of our guests and, of course, Lisa and I, are a little impolite. All right, then, how do you do? Hello. So we're live. Good good morning. Uh, You can see it right there—the live button over there. Welcome to the Mind Body Business Podcast. Sponsored by Sprout Connectors.
1: It's a big sponsor.
0: And I'm Devo. Sitting next to me is, in all her glory and infinite wisdom, the Lisa staff.
1: That's quite the introduction. Wow. It's going to just go downhill and be disappointing from there.
0: So joining us today, we're doing this is our second live. We're all live on LinkedIn. We're live on Facebook. So if you care to sort of hear all of our gaffes and behind-the-scenes nonsense that goes on. That's where you can see it live, In Living Color. We will post-produce this, as we always do. But I have Katie Wallace coming on the show today. And while I don't know if there's any introductions that really do her any justice for who she is, she's doing a lot of different things on the planet. And I i first met Katie. Actually, I have not physically met Katie. So Katie's joining us from the uh, massive state of Dallas, Texas city, Dallas, Texas. And I first was introduced to Katie via LinkedIn a little over three years ago, and uh, a friend of mine, Gary Fry, you know Gary? Okay, yeah, yeah. Gary introduced me to her, said that um, he thought her, because I was trying to sort of figure out LinkedIn back in mm-hmm. the days. still am. We need to talk to like, Katie about this because apparently she's a LinkedIn expert. hmm so we need to get some counsel and advice from her on that uh, when she joins us. I can see her sitting in the green room right now. But she, um, Gary introduced her to me on LinkedIn and said, hey, um, based upon the type of work that you and Lisa are doing, um, and he'd listened to some of our podcasts, I'd had him on one of the early shows, and he thought that she'd be a good match for us and, and just sort of loved sort of the, the vibe that, that she approached with LinkedIn. She's very candid. She's very raw. She's very authentic. Or at least that's how she comes across. We're about to find out when we put her on the hot seat. And um, she had posted – she had done a specific post. And Katie, I don't know if you can hear us. I can't see your camera, but you're welcome mm-hmm. to join us now. Um, she had done a post on um, mental health. And traditionally, my experience with LinkedIn – and don't be offended, you LinkedIners – but I found it very sort of like in the cubicle, uh, not very raw, not very sort of like – For me, not very value-add, but that was just from my context. It was just sort of people like talking about business things and that sort of stuff. And like I left the corporate world to get away from that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. because I wanted to be more – I don't even know what the word I'm trying to think of. I wanted to be more weird. How about that? And I didn't find that LinkedIn was sort of conducive to that Mm -hmm. environment Mm -hmm. And then Katie comes along three years ago, and I saw her post on mental health, and she talked very candidly and raw about her experiences up until that point. And I don't know if i are allowed to say this, but you know, potential jail time. She was addicted to alcohol and drugs. She had sort of some crazy things going on. And she talked about this in her post, and I was like, whoa. I was like, whoa. If I, <laughs> if, if I was going to show up on LinkedIn, that's how I would show up. Because I talk about that sort of stuff on Instagram. Raw,
1: real. It's like giving LinkedIn a facelift.
0: Yeah. So I was like, this this chick has some real shit going on. I think I want to check out what she says. So I started following her and listened to her posts, And she showed up on some various podcasts here and there. And it's just sort of um, – she's a bit of an oddball. So she's perfectly in alignment with us. Oddball by conventional standards. I say that with all kindness and clarity. That's a compliment. Yeah, it's a real big compliment. So we thought we'd invite her onto the show. Three years later, I sent her an email or a message somehow. I don't even know how, and um, she agreed to join us. So we're going to bring her into the show today. You tricked her and talk a little bit more about who she is, what she's doing. We have a central theme for the show. It's it's sort of centered around consciousness in of itself, right? And mm-hmm. everyone's talking about being woke, and I'm awake, and I'm a yogi, and I do all these sorts of things. But what does that really mean? So. We're going to kind of break into that conversation with Katie a little bit about acceptance and mindset and social outcasts. I want to talk a little bit about that. And she did a recent post. I don't know how long ago it was. It was uh, titled Conscious Capitalism. And I really love that because for me, the whole idea of capitalism and democracy and all those sort of things are kind of a, a relative illusion people think that they have freedom, but they really don't. We're just sort of trained to be part of the system. We're basically the prisoners and slaves. So you're starting off easy on
1: in the morning. (laughs) No, Let's just ease into this.
0: So Katie, how's it going?
2: Hello. Hello. Fellow weirdos. I, well, I, I just wanted to like, I, number one, you were playing David Bowie before this and who is, (laughs) you know, like number one weirdo, um, and something that I always say to my daughter, I always call her so weird, and at first she would get really offended, like "How dare you!" And I'm like, "No, this is a good thing. You want to, you want people to always say that about you." So, mm-hmm. thank you for not calling me nice or normal or um, any of those terms.
0: Yeah, don't, I, I, I don't think you're any of those adjectives. So, Lisa, first, um, it's funny because we had David Bowie playing in the car back car ride back from Atlanta a few weeks ago, and you said something very similar to that. You know, he was way ahead of his time, and people Mm -hmm. used to think he was this crackpot and hallucinogenic drug freak, but he wasn't. He was just talking in the buzzword, authentic fashion that was true to him.
2: Yeah, and talk about a guy who did – like he has this quote about how – he would sort of cringe when people would try to put him into a box because he realized that, you know, everything in this world is transient, right? It's just, you say things in a moment and then that moment is gone and you move on and you try to do something else. So the idea of putting him into a category or into a box just never sat well with him.
0: Why do people do that? What? Why is it that in, in the general hierarchy of things, whether it's in the corporate world whether it's in anything that we do, school, education, we're we're sort of put into these rows of conformity. What, what do you think? What's what's the what's at the tip of that, and what's at the end of that? What is that really? What's the what's the purpose behind that? Are people just following somebody else because that's what they were told to do? And what I mean for this, I, I used to think I hated school. I absolutely hated school, and. I'm relatively intelligent, so I was able to get by, but I didn't do homework. I rarely showed up for class in college. I tried to skip class in high school as much as I could. And I always sort of had a problem with – first and foremost, I always had a problem with just sitting in those rows, like literally put in these straight, horizontal, vertical, perfectly aligned rows. We're not allowed to engage with other people. We just sit there, and we have to listen to this pedagogue at the top just lecturing at us. Why why is that? What's, What's your thoughts on that?
2: Oh, uh, well, I mean, there's a lot of different lenses that we could take this. I think that's rooted in, you know, the patriarchy and religion, um, right? This idea that like power comes from the top and uh, conformity and it's easy to control people when you can get them to conform. And so there's either God, you know, and that's kind of like what we're seeing in the world now, which is this polarization. And of course, this is all of just my, you know, BS and rambles, but I think, Ultimately, what it boils down to is because is it's easy, right? It's easy for people to say, like, to make sense of someone because everybody wants to get a handle on what they're experiencing or a person, you know, what do you do? You know, who are you? Um, so I think ultimately beyond, you know, the patriarchy and religion, I think it just and, and control, I think it comes down to it's just easier for people to understand and, and everybody's brains work a little bit differently. Um, so I think, you know, it's just easy. I
1: totally agree. I think sometimes it just validates us. We're not sure yet who we are and, and what our purpose is and where we're working towards. Here's their title. This is who we are. And we just kind of fit that and we don't proceed any further, further than that, unless we have something that occurs in our life or something that pushes us to, to think beyond that.
2: Mm. Hmm.
0: It reminds me of something this morning that I took note of and I thought I'd bring it up to you. So we've been playing in the sandbox of Instagram quite religiously for the last few years. Um, I personally have been red flagged a couple of times. I don't say that with honor or anything. I just say that just as a fact. Um, because some of the stuff that I've posted has gone, I stay getting, within the
1: rules, <laughs> <that has gone laughs> rule breaker.
0: Not I, I, I don't sit in rows. And so I have posted and I've been red flagged by Instagram a couple of times. And and a lot of the people that we've had on our podcast have actually been removed from Instagram. Um, and, and, and kind so of don't
1: back worry, back. don't worry. It's not contagious. We won't, you're fine.
0: fine today. <laughs> well, well, anyway, we sort of I'm
2: flagged now. <laughs>
0: It sort of struck me odd this morning. Um, I, I had there was a post that I did of us yesterday getting ready for this live with you, and there was a group of people that followed it and commented on it, which I removed, and, and they were rather lascivious, like the, the, ha- the handles of them. And if you go to their feed, um, which one of them I did because I was sort of tricked into it. <laughs> uh huh. We'll talk
1: about this later.
0: It was the most blatant, offensive, lascivious content you can possibly imagine. And I always wonder why does Instagram or Facebook or any of these other things, speaking of staying in rows and conformity and, and non-conformity, why is that type of content enabled and allowed, but people who are actually adding intellectual value and insights to what's going on in the world kicked off of the platform?
1: Okay. Let's go into more detail of, of, because you get, you get DMS and, and people just falling into your Instagram differently than I do. So
0: let's do what you want to go into detail.
1: Yeah, go into detail. Details
0: are good. It's like the the
2: OnlyFans type of "come watch my channel" type stuff.
0: Oh no, I have a, I got a broad mixture of things, but I do get proposed to on a weekly basis from someone from one of the Baltic countries or Russia. And but this one was called she like she like. Am I allowed to say this on LinkedIn Live? I don't care. She liked dick, and (laughs) she sent me a post and wants to know you know all sorts of things. And I'm like, why is that allowed? That's
1: okay. Why That's is that not allowed? flagged.
0: Why is that allowed?
1: I'm not sure. But if you're saying something in the state of, of, of your thoughts on what's happening in the world or anything on your opinion, if it's not falling into the right box, you're going to be taking
2: Well, away. I think there's actually, so I, I was reading about this and, and something that was started back it, during um, everything that went on with the election, the idea that, like, Russia was um, – kind of like messing with our elections through social media and things like that. There was a particular group that was formed through BBC. I can't exactly remember, but uh, that actually, that I think that technology translated over to Uh, what we're seeing in the world right now. I'm not going to like give all the, the code words, but you know, we've been living through interesting times and there's, you know, whether to get jabbed, not get jabbed information on that. And you felt like there's been a suppression of information. Well, there has been, and that's directly due to this program that was, that was started and anything that would potentially, um, and this sounds very cons- uh, conspiratorial, and you can you can look into all this and like verify this, but um, that would potentially go against you know, or that would produce hesitancy getting the jab. Um, it's considered misinformation, um, and so it is kind of like an algorithm um, that is that is doing this, right? But of course, you know, sex work and things like that, people will continue on, even though outward we were like, no, 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 you can't do that. Um, But there's still this kind of culture that says that's okay. But we can't have an open discussion around our bodies, our health, you know, our minds, things like that.
1: Can we just give them some praise, though, for the marketing that they do? I know. That's that's pretty impressive that they can drop into so many accounts when we're trying to, you know, grow our feed, grow our Instagram, our social media, speak to the people that we need to speak to, you know, connect with the people. They're connecting with everyone. They've got some sort of great IT thing going on there.
0: So here's the question I always ask, and uh, we won't go into the conspiracy stuff because that'll just get flagged because nobody – No, no. You, you know, here's the thing about conspiracies. It, it, people never really learn because for, for hundreds of years, things that were called conspiracies inevitably turned out to have some grain or complete truths to them at some point. And I, and I never – I always sort of go between is that is that just sort of a manifestation of things or is that actually because that seems, that's how things are factually true? but when i when people talk about conspiracy and people talk about um going against the grain and those people being blocked, I always ask them, doesn't that raise a red flag in your own mind when somebody is being persecuted and shut down just for offering their intellectual opinion on something? Like, doesn't that make you think, hey, there's something more to this. I should probably explore that instead of just accepting the common narrative. Why are people so bound to just jumping in and accepting that common narrative? And that's a thing that I've never understood. I'm one of 12 kids and my siblings are dramatically different across the board. But for whatever reason, I was always sort of like this. Ugly duckling on the outside. I was never really part of the group. And I never really understood. I used to think there was something wrong with me. I'm like, Oh, there well, is. Yeah, there's plenty wrong with me. But I never understood, like I never understood, like, why why am I so different? Why am, and not, not different in terms of better or worse, just like, why don't I want to do all the things that everybody else wants to do? And I, and when I was in college, it was the same thing. Like everybody would go to class, get out of class, go to the bars, go to the package stores, load up on alcohol, get shit faced cause rampage across the campus and r- rinse and repeat the next morning. And I was like, "What? what is the point of all this? I thought we were here to learn something and explore things and blow our minds up. And I never understood why I always sat on the outside of everything. Why, why do you think so many people are so comfortable staying inside the circle?
2: I think it's pretty simple. I, and, you know, I, I'm sure we could all be boiled down to our psychology, but that would be quite boring. But I think that's kind of what it goes back to is that we don't want to be We don't want, it's a survival thing, I think. We don't want to be pushed away from, like, we want to fit in, right? Because when you don't fit in, you don't survive. Or that's at least kind of like that survival mechanism that's instilled in us. So we still kind of follow that thinking until something happens and you have some sort of, oh, I don't like this word, but some sort of awakening, some sort of expanded awareness where you realize, oh, I can do whatever the hell I want in this life. Um, but I think for a lot of people, that feels really scary. And so they would rather just stay status quo because that's just how they've always seen it. You know, and it's interesting. You talk about being one of 12 or you said one of 12. My partner is actually one of 11 uh, children. Oh. So so that's interesting. And everybody has lots of opinions. Um, but yeah, it's, it's that idea of wanting to fit in, wanting to be part of something.
1: It's interesting to me that that a lot of people that um, were pariahs or lepers and kind of stunned from their communities are the people that you go to for thought leadership, people that have left their legacy, maybe not in their lifetime, but post their lifetime. And a little bit of what you're talking about too, you you didn't want to say woke or anything. I had a conversation with a girlfriend the other day in regards to... um, Someone in her, her life that had just posted something about basically solving all the problems in life and being woke and all of that. And I feel like the conversation around that went into the fact that it's, it's the trendy thing now to use those buzzwords to say the right thing. And that's kind of like the new acceptance. And Do you not agree? Or is that just me? It's no. just like everyone no, now. Totally. When we were in Sedona, everyone was a Reiki master. Everybody was was arguing over the right spirit animal and all of that, and just getting the lingo right so that they could, in a spiritual way, be accepted and be the cool kids too. So it it happens in all facets of our life, doesn't it?
0: Not just the right spirit animal. Katie, they were arguing on whose spirit animal was more woke. Not only were they as woke as they could possibly be, their spirit animals that represented their wokeness were also more woke. And there was this heated debate on whose animal represented more wokeness. And Lisa and I are like,
1: that's when we left to go, we'll just clear the dishes and we'll be in
2: There's the a kitchen. level <laughs> of cringiness to that. Uh, Simone Gray's soul. I don't know if you follow her. She's, she's a really interesting, interesting marketer, but she always has um, just a way of saying things. But she calls it feel-good fascism. Right, it's this idea that anything that doesn't make you feel good or is not optimizing you um, is trash and it's bad, and we should move away from it. And I think that's kind of the idea that we have now. It's like anything, and, and what's just what's so interesting about that is is stuff. And this is something that Buddhists talk about, right? Is like suffering is life. Life is going to produce suffering, no matter how much you optimize your body or your mind. It's just a part of life, ultimately. But the goal is to not produce extra suffering, to not create suffering for ourselves. And so I find that uh, that idea of feel good fashion, I think we've all probably been guilty of that at one point or another, right? We like find this thing that makes us feel good. And we think, oh, this is the thing. This is the thing that is always going to make me feel good. I've cracked it. I've got it. And then a week later, we're on our asses again. And we're like, wait, but I, fa- I had the thing and what happened? And so it's sort of this repetitive cycle of finding the thing, losing it again, keep like And it doesn't stop until we give up the search and we just like learn how to be and to navigate the suffering that life sends us versus creating it for ourselves.
1: Mm, That's so interesting. And I think we bring a lot of ego into that. And I remember years ago when I was like baptized into a church and then, you, you know, you're supposed to go forth and preach the gospel to everyone. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, trashing religion. I'm trashing the expectations of you thinking that everybody else needs what you have. You're better now because you have this and this is who I am. This is who I'm branded with and you need to come into my special club.
2: Mm, That's it, right? If someone someone is telling you they have all the answers to your problems, run away. If someone is not holding their ideas very loosely or if they don't refer to them as like an experiment or, hey, this is just something that Mm -hmm. has worked for me for this period of time, run away because because they ain't got it you know I should
1: have a long time before that <laughs> where were you where were you I want to talk
0: about that <laughs> I, want, I want to talk about your experience because you talked about acceptance and all those sorts of things and fitting in and you were part of that but before we do we are having this conversation and that
1: goes with our conversation about learning how to say no
0: yeah, so uh, Katie, Lisa and I were in the car the other day driving from somewhere. I feel like we're always in the car somewhere. Yeah. And we were talking about organized religion. And again, I'm not denigrating anybody. Do what you do. I've, I, mm-hmm. my, my philosophy is always you do you, I'll do me. Don't ever try to force anything upon me. Like this is my life. I'm not living in the gulag archipelago yet. So I should have the rights and freedoms to do whatever it is I want to do as it, as it is with religion. But, you know, I always wonder why we were having this conversation on why cults, You know, and I don't know too many cults, but David Koresh is the first thing that comes to mind because it was such a debacle so many years ago. And I think that was in Texas, so I'm going to use that as my frame of reference here. Waco,
2: baby. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So why are cults outcasts and pariahs when theoretically they're doing the exact same juxtaposition organized religion is, but just on a smaller scale? And I never understood that. Why is your religion better than my religion? Why is your religion better than my cult? I'm I'm asking you to do the same things. Follow me blindly, subscribe to some notions or beliefs, commit money financially to tithe, have sex with me if it's a cult, whatever you whatever it is. I don't even know if that's true or not. But religions do the exact same thing. And I always like, why does one get accepted and one does not? Why is Muslims bad but Christians are good? Why is Baptists unorthodox out of the box? Whereas you know, provincial uh, religions are sort of more Except, I, I never understood yeah. that Why
1: is polygamy okay within a re- religion and, and racism okay within a religion Because it's a religion, but outside of
0: that Yeah, yeah and so I'm, I was reading this book a while back It's called The Last Days of Ancient Sunlight And it's a brilliant book, if you've never read it You'll love it, because it's really thought-broken But it, there's, there's about ten chapters that are devoted To the power of femininity in the universe And the planet, and everything being feminine And that pre- Pre-Western civilization in the Americas, primarily, of course, all over the globe, really, still to this day, you had these indigenous cultures that had their own religion, if you will, but it was religion with the planet, religion with nature, religion with the earth, all these things. And they sort of lived in this symbiosis with everything, right? And then Western religions came along and Western dogma came along and wiped it out in a variety of different ways because theirs was better than their from their perspective, they were so much more enlightened and so much more awo- awake, et cetera. And I never understood why. Why does why is that? Why can one be right and one be wrong? Uh, what's I never could understand that piece. Am I going somewhere with this? Keep going.
2: I think so. I think it comes back again to control, right? It's this idea that if we can, you know, have a campaign that's that's good enough, we can ta- we can control the narrative. And by controlling the narrative, you can control people, and you can control behavior. And so, you know, that's probably an oversimplification oversimplif- of what we're seeing happening. But um, I mean, that's that's what I think it comes back to. And I think what is interesting about that is uh, one of my, who I consider to be one of my spiritual teachers, Ramdas. He talked about how. Everything is a path to God, and whether you believe that in a religious sense, or whether you believe it's the universe, or just your higher self, or consciousness, or whatever you believe it is, um, everything is a path to God. Whatever, you can make any path a path to God. And the only the only time that you should, impo- like, not impose your will, but that you should um want someone to change their behavior or speak up about something is when someone is imposing their will to to keep others from being free um and and so i think that's kind of an interesting interesting thing that that we're also seeing right now is that there are many people who are doing that but we've also seen that on a larger scale as well right and and so many times all the you know the dictators and things like that who have come and gone um so it's an interesting question i don't have all the answers for it but that's what i think is kind of happening
1: Mm -hmm. I love the way that you, you eloquently said that. I think there's so many things in our our life when we're talking about these other, whether it's religion, government, all these things, it's basically a pyramid scheme. (laughs) And we, if someone says, Hey, you want to join this pyramid scheme? You'd be like, heck no. But some of them are set up like a pyramid scheme, right?
2: (laughs) I mean, isn't that that kind of capitalism? (laughs) Isn't that what capitalism is um right it's like this got all the workers at the bottom you have the CEOs yeah. at the top and the yeah. people who own it
1: yeah. um, they're all getting the cut but it's
2: a socially <laughs> acceptable form because it's you know there's a, been a good campaign that's run for it and there are some good things about capitalism right there's there's good things about free market right um but there's also some downsides <laughs> so
0: you referenced a minute ago ram das and you know god what what is god to you what, what, what does Katie Wallace believe in, in the sense of what God is?
2: I don't know. You know, I, I really don't. I, I think often in my in my meditations or when I'm just working through stuff, I refer to God as my higher self, as, you know, just the oneness, right? All the energy that exists and in, in everything that exists right now. Um, sometimes just God, sometimes most high, whatever. But I don't. I think for a lot of people, there's a, there's a negative connotation that's attached to it. Um, Like even my partner who um, I said was one of 11 kids, he was raised in something of a cult, right? Because, you know, what came out later was that there was like, you know, sex scandals and all this stuff. So it's, um, so for him, the idea of God is like, get that shit away from me. I don't, you know, I don't want that. Um, So I think it's just different. I, I don't think I necessarily know exactly, but I probably would align more with, Um, through a spiritual lens, uh, the idea of karma, reincarnation, things like that. Um, Even if it's just a fantastic story, great. I still think it's really interesting and that's how I I choose to live my life. So, I think whatever lens you want to slap on it, go for it.
1: I love that. I love that. And I think too, like when you're talking about your partner, I kind of relate to that and coming out of something when somebody's not telling you, "Here's, here's the package, I'm giving you this gift, this is what you need to believe for the rest of your life and you just kind of you stop questioning, and I think when you stop questioning or being in wonder or awe and investigating that is when there's a problem. There's nothing wrong with, because because people have asked me too, you know, what do you believe? And it's like, you know what, I'm open for the spirit of whatever you want to feed me and whatever sticks or makes sense. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having it. It's like, I've checked off the box, now I'm moving on to the next thing. I have this all figured out.
0: I think I think as long as you're not doing any harm to anybody, whether you mm-hmm. want to believe in tree gods or the gods that you believe in, as long as you're not doing harm is to anyone, is it's making you a better person? making you a better human? Then do whatever do whatever mm-hmm. you want to do that mm-hmm. makes you believe, so that you're not a dick. That that's really that's <laughs> my, my space on it, right? Like, just don't be a dick.
1: Well, and I don't really think if you're believing in an afterlife, I don't really think that it's going to be segregated to one specific group of people. I think some people are going to be surprised. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow, there's a lot of people here <laughs> Yeah, A lot of spirits, a lot of energy, whatever I've, I've got my own theories on it but, And we could talk about this to a blue in the face Religion is something that fascinates me I got mm-hmm. kicked out of religion class in college um, because of my, my theories And I was questioning everything that they were talking about and it, Which leads me to my next point Around mindset And, and, and you, you had, you've done a bunch of different posts That sort of center around one's mindset Whether it's how you pray Whether it's what you believe in Whether it's the type of work that you do The type of people you surround yourself Mindset in 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 sort of this is where I'm going with God. Mindset is our God. Like how do we how do we behave? How do we believe? How how much do we love ourselves? How much do we believe in ourselves? What does mindset mean to you and how important is that as part of your life and having a healthy mindset?
2: Oh I mean that's that's probably that's everything that we have. Right. And, and for me, like the idea of mindset, what that looks like for me, this is like for me, right. Um, is that I get out of the way. So in the mornings I, you know, meditate, I journal, I've been doing the artist way. I don't know if you've, if you've, you've heard of this Julia Cameron, but it's kind of this, um, really beautiful program. And every day, every morning you wake up, you write three pages. It's sort of this return to your artist, Right. Um, so I get up, I do that. And, what that, what mindset means to me is that I am removing all of everything that's been poured on top, right? That's like our trauma, our collective trauma, our like what the ego, not that it's bad, but you're just, you're learning to differentiate between what is the thinker, right? What is, what is all the, my conditioning? What is the stuff that's on top? And what is, what is me, right? The I, the true me. Um, And so what meditation does for me is that it allows me to watch my thoughts go by. And as soon as those kind of clear, right, like clouds, like clearing away, there will come what I feel to be um, true thoughts um, or like my actual thoughts. And that's kind of where the intuitive, like where I feel like I'm being guided. And so when I follow those Um, my life looks a lot different when, (laughs) than when I'm following all of the other thoughts, right? The thinker, the judge, um, the ego, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I think, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that you can do around that, but I think it's pretty simple, um, which is tuning into that, that.
0: For me, the mindset piece, and one of the things that's always stuck to me, and I don't know who said it, it doesn't matter, anything, everything's just sort of repeated and recycled. Then, but, then take it,
1: claim it as your own.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> establishing those patterns that you do in the morning, that whatever that is, whether it's you go for a walk, whether you go to the gym, whether you do yoga, whatever those are, is finding something that you can be habitual about. Because by doing those habits, by creating those habits of excellence that make you calmer, kinder, nicer, whatever it is you're sort of training your own mind to fall into that space, right? You're sort of teaching yourself to these are the things that work for me. These are the things that are good for me. But more importantly, they're detaching from all of the other distractions, right? Like you don't have to get to that email in the morning. You don't have to check your phone in the morning. You don't have to do all the things that don't add any value to your life. And by establishing those habits, whether it's taking cold showers or going to the gym or whatever it is, you're sort of retraining your mind from all the dogma that's been established over the multiple years of your life preceding that moment, right?
2: Mm, Yeah, exactly. It's kind of bringing you into the now, which is an easy place to actually listen to more, um, more divine guidance or just to yourself, right. To what you truly want beyond what you think your parents or society or this or that um, has set out for you. So, um, and it's also like what you're talking about, cold showers and working out. It's, um, it is sort of priming you for adversity, like getting you to extend yourself to be able to take more suffering and to not have it affect you. Because cold chakras suck. They suck. But then you do it long enough and you're, you start to love it. And you start to love the cold. And you start to love the way that your body feels because it's actually really good for you. It reduces inflammation, like allows you to think more clearly. All these benefits that start to roll in. But to get to that, you have to go through the part where it sucks.
0: (laughs) You you broke up and got a little warble warble there for a second. So I'm just going to recap what I thought I heard you say is sort of taking those cold showers is just sort of a metaphor for embracing sort of the suffering, which by understanding and acknowledging the suffering, it sort of allows you and enables you to see the other side of what non-suffering looks like, right? Sort of like that touch point in the beginning you were talking about.
2: Totally. Yes. Contrast. Right? Creating contrast. Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm.
0: You you talked a little bit about – and I'm sorry to – Go ahead. um, ahead. You talked a little bit about uh, social outcasts somewhere in in space, or maybe I just pulled that out and and inferred it. That's just a label. And and if you take a look at the history of humans, most of the people who have done some of the greatest things on this planet – could have theoretically been labeled a, an outcast. They just sort of marched to the beat of their own drum. They were those ugly ducklings. They just did those things that went against the, went against the constraints of society. When you hear someone called a social outcast or when you hear someone call you weird, you talk a lot about being weird and you encourage your daughter to accept and embrace weirdness. What, what does that mean to you?
2: I think that means that you can go, you know that you could go to that person for the truth about something. Because I think that's all that it comes back to is the truth. Because if, um, how do I put this? <clears throat> if you only go with the status quo, you, you know that when you go to that person, you're only going to be getting just regurgitated thoughts. And maybe that's all we are, is just a bunch of regurgitated thoughts. But at least we can sort through and, and think and, and provide something that is, is beyond status quo. And I think the worst thing that people could say about me is that I'm nice. Like, if someone's like, hey, what do you think of that Katie Wallace? And they were like, oh, she's so nice. That would suck. That would just destroy me. <laughs> so um, I, I don't, I mean, I'm sure that this there's, you know, so many different lenses that you could slap on this, right? But um I like to think that it's it's just the ability to to reason and, and to think for yourself and to be able to speak to what your truth is even though it's uncomfortable.
1: I love that. And I love, you know, even if you relate it to having that friend that's really nice and agrees with everything that you say and oh you're perfect or whatever and is just like a little too consoling or you have that friend that's like no, you are wrong. You, you need to pull up. You need to, you need to apologize for this or you, you just like really messed this up. This is, you know, giving you that, not that mirror of what you want to hear, but that um, potential to grow.
2: Right? Mm, yeah. People that don't co-sign your bullshit. I think that's mm-hmm. important, but it can do it in a loving way too. Not in a judgmental, mm-hmm. just in a, mm-hmm. and often it comes in the form of setting boundaries for yourself right? Like just knowing that the type of people that you want to be surrounded with or how you want to be treated, right? But also telling your friend who's running back to that guy who's a trash human, um, hey, (laughs) this is problematic and I love you and if you want to keep doing it, go for it, but I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I think it's a good idea.
1: And I think we've all had that friend that you're like, you know what, you could have saved me like a year, if I had listened to you in the first place. But sometimes we have to go through that too, right?
0: Well, I, I want to jump in on that because... I've had the same situation, and they tell you that you sort of repeat the same patterns until you've learned the lesson, right? And so I was in a—I was married for ten years, what? And um, I was in a relationship (laughs) with the same woman for almost seventeen years. And, And I'm not denigrating my relationship with her, nor denigrating her. I have two beautiful, amazing children from her, and she just comes at things the way that she comes at things. It's not better than me, it's not worse than me. But we just weren't a good fit. We weren't a good fit as a married couple. And and I I always knew that even from the day I married her that. I didn't really want to marry this person, but I just sort of, I I was, I was, I was a scared little rabbit back in those days. Not that I'm, not that I'm much more evolved today, but I was just a different human in those days. And I just sort of thought like, this is the way you do things. You go to college, you get a degree, you get married, you have kids, you have a white picket fence, dog and you live happily ever after, and then you just retire and die. And I never really understood. That's so easy. I know. And I never really thought there was anything more to that. So when I finally started to kind of get a sense of what I wanted out of my life, I realized that my partner was not adding any value to my direction that I was taking. Not necessarily bad for her. It just she wasn't adding value to the direction. You didn't have
1: that conversation, though, did you? Hey, you're not really adding value to
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: That could be a problem there.
0: Well, I, we were just going in different directions. I was exploring something. She was exploring something else, and it just didn't work for me. So anyway, I'm going somewhere with this but i didn 't do the necessary inner work, the mindset work that we talked about after that, and I sort of jumped right back into another relationship that was basically sort of the same thing i didn 't understand my role i wasn 't valuing my perspectives i didn 't take the time to sort of learn more about myself, and I just sort of kept repeating that but it wasn 't until it wasn 't until I'd learned that lesson that I met you for starters but honestly there there 's a Really branded token to say that the day I left that relationship and started this new phase of my life was when I really learned the lesson I was supposed to learn. And had I not been in those previous patterns of disjustice or injustice, I would have not learned that mistake. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you have to go. So you spent 30 years in a life.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Where you had to, and I, we, we joke. Lisa spent very, very slow learner. Lisa spent thirty years. I'm a years. people
1: pleaser. Let's just say that. And I need oh, to talk yeah. to you about learning how to say no. This, this is like we're not skipping out on this conversation today.
0: Yeah, but we're going back to you. So where I'm going with this is, you and I in, in the in the current context of our lives, podcast, business, relationship, we're getting married. I don't know that I would be capable of. Being your partner in this time and space had I not gone through those failures, if you will, early on in my life. Would you disagree with that? And you spent 30 years learning about those failures.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think the universe slapped me upside the head a lot of times and I wasn't – I was just taking the hits and going back in and not listening, right? At some point, you're like, oh, I get it.
0: So why didn't you say no 30 years ago? Why didn't I say no 17 years or 20 years ago? Why can't people say no to things? (laughs)
2: <laughs> i think that Where goes back to, well, this, here we go like we can get into the net no, to the no conversation because right we're running on our will you know and and what that we think what is our like higher self where we're supposed to go we're running on emotions we're running on trauma we're running on all of these different things that aren't actually us it's just what's been poured on top of us all of the masks that we put on and all the roles that we play we kind of trap ourselves in these roles and we could have learned these things right the first time they happened but ultimately um for most people, it takes quite a few times, sometimes a lifetime to learn the lesson that whatever lessons we're here to learn, if you believe that. And so um, I think it comes down to when we've had enough because usually like I think there's, I think this is in Zen um, or in Buddhism, there's this idea of growth by way of pain, which is kinsho. And then there's growth by way of enlightenment, which is satori. And so you can... You can have all the, you can go through all the breakups, lose all the jobs, you know, experience all of the hurt, right? You're going to grow. You're going to grow. But there's also growth by way of enlightenment, which is, you know, when you're sitting in meditation and you're having ideas coming in and you don't have to take those other paths. You don't have to, um, right? The breakups, the bad relationships, the jobs you shouldn't have taken, the people that you shouldn't have surrounded yourself with. Um, And yeah, I I think ultimately it's just, how do you want to get there? Right. Um, and, and one thing, and we were talking about no, right. How to say no. And there's Martha Beck, who was, I believe, Oprah's life coach. She has this idea of what is called an integrity cleanse. And this is for all you people pleasers out there, because that was me, um, right. I had to conform because that's how I got love as a kid, right? I had to, um, if I didn't do particular things and this is a whole other story and I won't even get into it, but if I didn't do things. I wouldn't get love, right. It would be actively taken away from me and I would be outcast from my family and I'm a child and I need love. So I'm going to be whoever you need me to be to get that love. And so for many of us, that was the case. And that carries into adulthood. And we don't even recognize that we're running on that conditioning. So, enter Integrity Cleanse, which for her meant that she set, I think it was, a thirty-minute alarm on her phone, and every thirty minutes she would check in herself: Am I in, in integrity? And what that means is, like, do I feel, do, do I feel like I should have said something? Do I have sort of this gnawing feeling? Does something need to be addressed? Do I want to? Do I want to, you know, go pick up my mom from the airport, or do I want to take on this client, or? whatever it may be. So every 30 minutes, she was just doing that. And that's probably the most extreme form, right? But you can always tune in with yourself and, and you know, when something feels off and you start to practice that muscle of tuning in. Okay. Where do I feel this in my body? Ooh, that feels like tightness in my chest. I feel like I need to say something. Um, what is it? Right. And then you got to tune into what is it that I need to say? Um, And I think that starts the process of of saying no and kind of listening to our bodies and and to our our minds.
1: Mm, That's so interesting because what you're saying too, and I'll let you go because you had so many different things um, that you wanted to say on this. But there is sometimes that little scratch or that little inkling, but we bury it. We Mm -hmm. become so busy. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I I feel... mm, And we're not checking, we're not doing the integrity cleanse, we're getting busy, we're all so busy, like everyone, everyone is busy, and it just kind of, just kind of piles on top and you don't really listen to that, or you don't really realize that you can say no, you know, you've you've put yourself in a role, I want to be a good person, I'm a mom, I'm a this, I'm a that... This is, this is the title that I'm going under. I didn't realize I could say no. I need to work towards that. And this is part, like, there's so many reasons that we don't check in.
0: Why, why, why is it so difficult for us to say no to people? Well, acceptance?
1: Cause I'm not a quitter.
0: No, but, but why <laughs> is this, gonna... you know, some, sometimes I just say yes. Cause I don't want to be, I don't want to be construed as rude or I'm just like, okay, I'll do that. Whatever. But, but in, in the long run, that's not a very good pattern and that's not a very good decision because if we're begrudgingly going against something that doesn't feel right to us, we should probably do a better job of listening to that voice, right? Is, is there a time when – you know, we, we grew up in this culture where we're taught to combat through everything, be fierce and be tough and fight through everything, no pain, no gain. But is that added really a value add to our lives, that no pain, no gain? Like there is, It's okay sometimes to say, no, I don't want to do that, right? What's that fine line between, you talked about suffering, what's that fine line between listening to your voice and understanding that consciously it's not good for us and the other side of that, which is sort of laziness or something else that you really should do it even though you're kind of like, I don't want to do it. What's that fine line in between?
2: Oh, man, and I think that line is different for everyone, right? I think ultimately saying, no, we don't do it because it's uncomfortable. We don't do it because it's uncomfortable. And what happens is we end up resentful. We end up, you know, hating the person that we're with or hating our boss or just all sorts of things. And so we choose, like, we choose comfort, temporary comfort over sort of like, um, long-term growth. Right. But, um, I think the only way to know what that line for yourself is, is to tune in to you and to, it doesn't even have to be meditation. I think a lot of people get really freaked out by that, but it's just wherever you are able to sit quietly and be no distractions, just sitting, just sitting somewhere quietly and just letting things be. And maybe it's tuning into your body and just noticing where you feel random pains or where you maybe feel blockages or, and then just asking, you know, what is this? But I don't think you can know your line until you can do that, because our body is constantly sending us messages. Our mind is constantly sending us messages. But we're so busy distracting ourselves from these messages because they are uncomfortable. That's the thing. They're uncomfortable, and it's going to be uncomfortable a lot of the time. Um, But the only way to know what your line is, to tune in.
0: (laughs) I wonder if there's some sort of a litmus test that that each of us could create on our own to sort of have the ability to discern between saying no to something because it intrinsically is in Mm -hmm. our best interests, or are we saying no at five o'clock in the morning because I don't really want to get up and go to the gym because I really am enjoying this little snuggle I'm going through right now. But Mm -hmm. on the other side of getting up, like there is benefit to that. So what's that litmus test that each of us could create? It's like, do we say... At the end of the day, am I going to regret this decision? Or is there something that you could recommend that all of us could develop our own little litmus test on?
1: And I I love that because we, we sometimes say no or, you know, Don't want to do things because they are uncomfortable, but they're uncomfortable, but they're going to push us further. It's, it's to our benefit. And we all hear, you know, no is a complete sentence or saying no to things is saying yes to other things, but we don't always really listen to that and know the right response to those things. So. Mm, yeah, enlighten us. How do we know the difference? What's that litmus test? Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: I, again, I don't know if I have all the answers, but I think that would come back. You're I was.
1: I was told you would. I was told you would be my <laughs> exactly. guru. So You're right.
2: I, I am. I am. So everyone, listen to me and write this down. Um,
1: and send at, me money.
2: <laughs> lots of money. Lots of money and gifts and. Uh,
1: and you will there. get blessings. Yes. yes. <laughs> You go back the
2: to the co-
0: conditional topic. training you had <laughs> for 30 years.
2: <laughs> oh, gosh. If you do um,
0: X, you get Y. I like that.
2: I think, I think people should this, – this is where preparation comes in, right? Know thyself. Because it's not just, you know, tuning in and, oh, yeah, I feel like this, right? Because you're not actually tuning into – you are tuning into how you feel, but you also have this – you're firmly planted in reality, you know that over here, I'm, I'm pointing to my board where I have, right, this is what I'm accomplishing this year. And I have it kind of broken down into how I want to do it. And so you ha- you know what you are trying to accomplish, right? And so do these things, do these opportunities, do they align with what you're trying to accomplish, right? And, and what you're trying to accomplish should cover, you know, mind, body, business, right? I, every Like literally the name of this podcast, um, and being able to, are the things that you're doing, are they going to get you closer to these things that you're trying to accomplish or further, right? So if I'm trying to be a good daughter or if I'm trying to, you know, show up for the people that I love and somebody asked me to take, take them to the airport and I have time, I have time, but I just don't want to do it. Cause it's like two hours of my time that I just like, don't want to give away. Right. And I want to say no. But I'm also trying to be closer to my family or trying to be closer to my friends and really like develop these relationships, taking them to the airport would get me closer to being what I'm trying to be. And it's like the same thing with business opportunities or things that come your way. And you can run it through that test of, okay, I'm trying to get here. I know that because I have it written up here and I know it. So does this opportunity get me there? Or am I trying to justify and say, oh, well, it's going to do this and it's going to do this, but it's not going to get me a step closer. And it's probably a no. So I think that's an easy way of just knowing where you're trying to go and then being able to match it up if it's going to get you closer or further away.
1: Hmm. Um, you just really simplified that for us.
0: That was brilliant. Brilliant. I purchased this uh, journal a few years back. It's called the Freedom Journal. And there was a question that, that are you familiar with this?
2: I had, No, I'm not. It sounds cool, though.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, it, There was a question at the end. There's an exercise that you do in the morning, and there's an exercise that you do at night. And every night before bed, you need to ask yourself. So in the outset, it says create three things that you have to accomplish today. And then those are sort of like tasks, if you will. And then what are three things that are not necessarily task-oriented but that you want to focus on today? And then at the end of the day, it asks you to rehash those six experiences, yes or no, you qualify them, and how good do you feel about them? And I always like that idea because uh, you, sort of, you sort of are forced to get into your mind around what are the three things that I really need to do today, come hell or high water, and then what are the three things that I want to focus on? But the whole idea is habitual – habitual training, right? Mindset, right? But at the end of the day, sort of a check-in, did I do this? Did I do that? Did I do that? And how do I feel about that? And I really like that concept. And it it, it sort of has always resonated with me, Um, resonated so much that I don't do it every day, but it's (laughs) wrong.
1: But we tell other people to do it. So, yeah,
0: but it's, but it's okay to say no to people. Right. And you talked a, a few seconds ago and I wrote it down, this sort of You you talk a lot about on your LinkedIn page about um, there's sort of something at the end of one of your profiles that reach out to me, DM me, contact me. And if we're in alignment, I look forward to working with you. And I love that you said that. But how do you make that conscious decision whether you're in alignment with somebody? Like, Why did you agree to come on this podcast? It's certainly not going to give you any fame or notoriety, but why did you agree to do that? Why do we agree to take on clients when – Six months ago at the outset of that conversation, Lisa and I looked at each other after the first call and we're like, that's not someone we're in alignment with, but yet we went ahead and took them on in the first place. How do you say no to those sorts of things? How do you get into that space where like, you know what, Katie? Or, you know what, Devo, I don't really think that we're in alignment. I'm not going to do this podcast with you. Or, you know what, client, I just don't think this is in our best fit. How how does somebody get to the point where they're confident enough that they can say no because they ask themselves that litmus test question?
1: And I had wanted to talk to you about this, too, because I found it really – you have – on your, on your profile, what you do, but you also have on there that you work with socially conscious companies as well. Like it's, it's right out there that that's how you're going to align with people. How do you, how do you have the vision to do that and the wherewithal, the stamina to connect that way?
0: And does she have a good memory? Cause we just asked her 19 questions. Yeah,
2: I have a great memory, but we're about to find out. Um, <laughs> okay. So I think that that for me personally, what that, what that came from is from saying yes to a lot of people that I should have said no to. And it hurt. It hurt a lot. And it was really painful. And I got screwed over. And I lost out on money. Um, didn't get paid in some scenarios. Um, and it was just overall not a great experience. But That's because I was like not tuning in. I was just like, yes, money. And sometimes in business, right? You, can't, you have to say yes in the beginning, or you don't have to, right? But you also won't get paid. And for me, I was pretty desperate when I was starting my company in 2016. So I was saying yes to whoever would have me um, because I needed to learn ultimately. But then what comes with that is you get the experience, you get the expertise, and then you realize, oh, okay, there's a particular type of per- like company that I want to work with. I know that it needs to be a mission that I'm aligned with that I feel very strongly about, or I won't be able to give myself to it. And so, like, even just using this as an example, right? Um, this podcast, Mind Body Business, all the, my programs all deal with mind, body, spirit. Uh, so it was inter- like, so that immediately I was like, this sounds interesting. And then I listened to a podcast and I was like, oh, yeah, I like this conversation. And then I had a conversation with you and I was like, oh, okay, cool. And it was like, it was just it's a feeling, right? So there's this, there's your immediate feeling and then there's the feeling when you actually speak. So you get the opportunity. How do you feel about it? And it was kind of like 50-50. I don't know. It could go either way, right? I, I know I'm aligned, but is there actual alignment between between us? And then having the conversation, I was like, yeah, duh, I would do it. Even if it wasn't even get it, like this is just something I wanted to do because I wanted to have the conversation, if I'm being honest and because I'm aligned with it. Um, so I think there's kind of, different, different pathways to sort of run that for yourself. Um, but as far as businesses, I'm trying, like I'm in the companies that I work with, I'm trying to push away the people that I don't want to work with. And then when I, when I have to say no, it's pretty simple. Tiffany Dufu, um, she's really amazing. If you look her up, she's author of a book called drop the ball, I believe it is. Um, but she has a six step process for declining. Right. And she's like, um, you know, I can't I, I can't tell you exactly all six, but it's something like, hey, thanks so much for thinking of me. I don't I, I don't have the capacity for this right now, or I, I don't want to take this on because I'm not aligned. And here's what I'm doing with my time instead. But thank you again so much for thinking of me. And just like, you know, keep me in mind, right? Because you don't want to just be like, ew, screw off, you know. I I you know because it's not what it's about, but it's just there's nothing fundamentally wrong with the opportunities or the people or the conversations that come your way. Um, it's just, what are you willing to say yes to, I guess.
1: That's so interesting. I love how you started out as well saying, you know, you take those jobs sometimes, but you learn a lot and you learn how to work with people, what you like, what you don't like, where your strengths are, maybe where you need to, um, be more intentional about your business What are your core pillars? What all, all of that, you know, when you say you've got written on the wall, all the things that you want to um, attain this year, you know, are you aligning to that? But that gives you that opportunity. So next time you've had that growth and you can say no to that and align with those other people. That's it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um,
0: you were trying to say no to me a lot early on in our relationship. I have. <laughs> I have. But I kept listening to my inner voice, and I'm like, I'm not going to say no. I'm just going to keep going at it and poking it it. Wears me down. <laughs> so I just wore her down, yeah.
1: Um, can we talk a little bit about your LinkedIn success as well? Since you know, you're know you not that mainstream, corporate, sort of, here's your daily meme um, that I've copied over from a million other people and, and all that it's, it's just a different breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. So what's, what's being your take on that? Have you been able to connect? What's your success with that?
0: Hold on. I'm going to get notes for this one. Yeah. So this is the only reason we invited you on. <laughs> uh,
1: can you take over our LinkedIn accounts for us <laughs> and our clients?
2: Oh. <laughs> oh man. Um, okay. This is so... a
0: conditional relationship, Katie. We brought yeah. you on so you could teach us LinkedIn. You give X. No, okay.
1: no, but I, I love, I love because you're not, you're not just kind of conforming. You've shown up in all your glory of who you are and you've spoken to people and People are listening to you.
2: Wow. Well, thank you. Um, I have a real love hate relationship with LinkedIn. I don't know if that comes across, but I love it in that, right? I, I came to this platform when they first had vi- like first started video, and not a lot of people were doing it. And so it was an interesting, it was a very interesting time to be able to do it differently because um, it was very stale when I got on. and um, I think guess it was 20, 2017. Um, and that's when I was going through my transition. I think transition from corporate to my own company. And so my evolution is sort of documented through my evolution um, in the real world, I guess you could say and I guess that that came across and. I just spoke to that. I, I, I don't really know why I, I just did it. I just felt the need to. Um, and so now while I still do this, I do like working with people on their LinkedIn because a hundred percent of my business has come from LinkedIn. It still does. Um, well now my newsletter, which is that, but that's a whole other story, but that came from LinkedIn as well. And then I moved them off the platform. Um but so I owe a lot in many ways to to LinkedIn. I love working with people on LinkedIn, but now it's kind of good. there's more people on, right? And now vulnerability has become sort of a um, a marketing tool. And I think that's where my love hate relationship is coming in because, it doesn't feel as authentic now it feels like people are using authenticity and vulnerability as a marketing strategy and so i now i'm like shit i can't even be you know vulnerable and authentic because people are going to think that i'm trying to to market to them um so that's a really interesting interesting place to be um so i really forgot the question i think i lost the plot um sort of airing my grievances (laughs) Um,
1: this is is a place for airing of the grievances we regularly vent and we it's kind of like festivus we air the grievances
0: before before i rephrase the question for you since you don't have as good a memory as i thought (laughs) i want to go back to this vulnerability thing does it really matter if everybody else is using that as their bedrock token now because it's suddenly cool to be vulnerable does it really matter if you are If you are clear on your position with it and you're clear on, on your approach to it and and you know that you're not trying to do something or trying to portray something, you're just being you. Does it really matter?
1: And do people have a really strong bullshit meter or the people that you want to align with have that bullshit meter? I
2: really do. Yeah. I think that's it. Right. And ultimately it doesn't matter. Ultimately, I still have this part of me that just wants to be different, right? I want to be different. I don't want to be doing the thing that everybody else is doing. And I think that's what it comes down to. But that's also, you know, coming, bumping up against that is why I'm still sometimes creating content on, on LinkedIn, but more so doing it for clients, um, in some capacities. So, um, it doesn't. That's so,
1: that's so nice of you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, not at all. Yeah. I think, I think it doesn't matter. Right. And I think still, I think that's the only way I think being vulnerable and being authentic and true to yourself is the only way, right. That's just my shit. Um, but I I hope that answers the question.
0: You're right though. People, we're living amongst a world where the consumer has never been smarter And, and because they have access to so much content, with just a flick of a thumb, I think that the people you're talking to, you ultimately will tr- will attract the people that you are talking to because the way you and I have connected or Lisa and I connected or you and your partner connected – People just sort of draw together on the same radio, radio wave at some point. Like there, there may be some juxtapositions early on in that relationship where they're still trying to fill you out. But I personally think if you continue with your purpose, if you strategically persist on the things that matter to you, that you talk about the things that are in your value proposition and you're trying to perpetually, consciously, with integrity, solve a problem, eventually the people that are supposed to follow you and are supposed to connect with you will – And whether you're wearing it as a badge of honor for impropriety or you're wearing it as a badge of honor because that's who your true authentic self is, that's readily seen by people after a very short amount of time.
1: We just want to name drop. I thought that's what we were doing. (laughs) Mm. That's how
2: it works in this world. We've
1: we've met some clients that there's a lot of name dropping. We're like, okay, okay, that's, that's a lot. Stop bringing those names down on
2: us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, there's this uh, there's this idea of a thousand true fans, right? You only need a thousand true fans to make your way, and that's so much more attainable than trying to just you know sell yourself out to the sea of millions and millions of people. Right? Find your thousand. Mm -hmm. You're not for everybody, and I think that's what's so cool is people. You know, people start their own companies and or they start something that's not true to themselves and you can tell, like you can tell it's just just like everything else that you've ever seen. But then you come across the people who are saying things in a way that is so specific that, you know, if it's not for you, you scroll right on by. Right. But you know, that's for somebody, you don't know who it Mm -hmm. is, but you know, it's for somebody, but you know, Mm -hmm. it's not you. And so I think, by being yourself, we're all kind that's the idea of the personal brand, right? Like you are your best marketing strategy and that's showing up in your, like just your full self as your full self always. Um, so find your thousand true fans, you know, that's it. It's all you need. Apparently.
0: Yeah. You said it's weird. It's almost like people just want to be treated like autonomous humans and do meaningful work that allows them to provide for themselves and their families. And so you do that by just being yourself, eventually adding value. We always tell everyone, you know, and we tell our team, we have a small team that we work with for for our business. What's the value that you want to offer today? And ask yourself in every situation, whether you're writing something, whether you're posting something, whether you're doing something for someone else, what problem are you solving? How can you serve in some capacity from an unselfish point of view? And I think from everything I've read about you, you sort of take that approach, which has probably become sort of your benchmark and hallmark for your success.
1: And I think the more yeah. that you do it, you find your flow state. And we've talked about yeah. that. You, you Sometimes you're not even aware, but you're in that flow state of what? you're speaking your truth and where you just kind of rise to it.
2: Mm. And sometimes if I'm being honest, it's very selfish. A lot of the stuff that I put out is very selfish. It's my own evolution and it's been stuff that has been extremely valuable for me. And so when I'm writing it, I'm writing it from the perspective, okay, I just picked up this tool, right? And it's sort of like a, rem- I'm reminding myself to use this tool and I share it so that maybe, maybe other people will find it help, like helpful. I write it in a way that it's like, here, this is, this will be easy for you to pick up, but. Sometimes it's selfish, and sometimes content I put out is just because I like it.
0: <laughs> selfish by whose standards, though? Selfish right. by some somebody else has just labeled that. We always want to label everything; it makes us feel better about ourselves, right? So, yeah. selfish by who? Selfish by whose standards?
2: Yeah, that's a great a great question. I guess I mean selfish as in I like this, and I don't care if anybody else likes it. Um, it's not always that way, but I just feel like sometimes that's an easier place to operate from because when we feel like we are saying the exact thing that someone else needs to hear that's so much pressure that's so much pressure but when I'm saying the thing that I need to hear and maybe maybe it'll benefit someone else right if I'm just you know telling a long monologue about my day yesterday and all the food that I ate nobody nobody gives a shit about that but if I'm sharing like hey I've been going through this hard thing, right? I've been doing, deal- I've been navigating like this PTSD thing and I'm going through EMDR and I'm doing, that's a real as experience that other people are likely having, right? Because you can look to statistics and see how many people are suffering from PTSD and that it feels as if there's no solution. Oh, but Hey, I found this thing that works. I'm going to share it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think there's, sort of this, this idea of like, yes, there's this idea of it it will help people, but that I think often it's, I'm thinking of just myself, like, oh, I know this helped me. So let's just see, you know,
1: those are the things though. This is a horrible thing for me to say though, because we're talking about being authentic and all of that stuff, but you know, sometimes the less thought that you put into it and you, you do something that you want to do. Those are the things that drive home to everyone else. Not that you're going to be looking at your metrics and going, yeah, look what I just did. But sometimes those are the things that stick, right? And the other things that you're thinking business and this and that, I'm going to put this together. It falls flat. So you you know, sometimes less is more.
2: Mm. You
1: just going in there and authentically just having that moment and doing what feels right
0: to you. And, and I'm glad you said that because I think really at the crux of ev- Look at your metrics now. At the crux of everything, Boat, yeah. How many likes <laughs> do you get today? Oh, good At the crux of everything. Both, yeah. <gasps> Ooh, crux oh. of everything love me. <laughs> At the crux of <gasps> everything both of you just said, it really boils down to the the context of how you're presenting it, and are you presenting this from a conditional point of view? As in, I'm going to share this and hope that I get this from somebody, or I'm going to share this and hope that it spreads, or I'm going. And sh-
1: if you want to hear more, sign up for yeah. more my-
0: <laughs> Or are you just showing up, Katie, to just present whatever it is that you think is? helping other people serving other people and conscientiously simultaneously helping you grow because a lot of times a lot of the stuff that we follow a lot of the stuff that we perceive a lot of the stuff that we respond to whether negative or positively it's just a direct reflection of ourselves right and so mm-hmm. how can we take the framework that that we offer the world and how can we present that from an unselfish and relatively unbiased perspective in hopes that we're just going to enlighten, help be benevolent around it. Is that right? I think it's all about how you present it, isn't it? And people will see right through it.
2: Yeah. I think, um, so kind of how I view the world. And I think I alluded to this earlier is mostly through a spiritual lens. Right. But I'm very planted in the physical, this reality. Right. Um, And so through the spiritual lens, again, Ram Dass talks about this, but he talks about how, the moment that you start to think, "Oh yeah, I'm really giving the people what they want. This is what they need to hear." That's when you've separated yourself. You've created that separateness, right? You are apart from, um, because the idea is that we are all one, right? You are me. I am you. Like we're constant. Like we're we are all the same person, but we are inhabiting, you know, different bodies and things like that. Like we are all God in drag. Everyone you meet, <laughs> and so it, this this idea of right is this helpful for me um and sticking to that is more from like a spiritual lens so i think there's so many different ways that you could look at it right because i think kind of like your lens is um it's probably more like rooted in like right here and right now and it's very much it's just a, it's a a different way of saying the same thing of like this is helpful, right? Because if you're seeing the other person as you, right? Like if we're, we're all having a human experience, likely this is going to help some of the other humans. You know, Mm -hmm. I think these are just sort of like some of the universal kind of truths that we're finding. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's just what lens makes the most sense to you to like throw on, you know?
0: Yeah. That's well said. We asked you in the man, there's so many ways I could take that conversation. There's a lot of things that we haven't even touched on and we're we're already past an hour. So let me see if I can see. uh, And I
1: said, we're shooting for 20 minutes. Um.
2: Nailed it.
0: (laughs) So there's, uh, let me see. Can I just sort of like draw us into a closure space Mm -hmm. here? Mm -hmm. So when we originally agreed to talk, we, we, we sort of thrown around about 15 different things and, but we settled on learning to say no. And, just sort of to recap that, I, there's a quote that I pulled up um, from, and I never know how to say his name, Paolo Coelho. I don't know how you say it. Paolo Coelho? Are you familiar with this guy? Yeah. I,
2: I, I'm in the same boat. I don't know exactly how to say his name.
0: When you say yes to others, make sure you are not saying no to yourself. And for me, that encapsulates the conversation of what we've talked about, that it's okay to say no, listen to yourself, take that litmus test. When you when you do want to say no to something, are you saying no because it doesn't feel good to you and there and there's no positive outcome, or are you saying no because you're being a lazy piece of shit? So that's the litmus test, by the way, we just coined it. And then the other piece that I wanted to sort of hone in on is um, we asked you, and I'm kind of all over the place. We asked you in the outset of of the onboarding form, what was your superpower? And you listed one word, which no one has ever done, which I found rather unique. So I'm going to put you on the hot seat and ask you to expound upon that. You said enoughness.
2: I love this. Oh, wow. What do you mean by your superpower
0: being Enoughness.
2: Yeah, I, I forgot that I was like, "What word did I put down?" Shit, shit, shit. That's a good one. Wow, it's so um. good.
0: It just
1: hits home for me because, like, <laughs> what I went through in my my evolution—that's what I came out thinking, "I'm enough." And mm. then this, like, so
2: oh. you didn't even fill this
0: out, did you? You just had your partner, your partner <laughs> yeah. of eleven, fill this out.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go, go. Yeah, take care of this. Um, So, what I mean by that, and that's so cool, because I feel like even when we talked. I was thinking about it this morning as I was journaling. I thought, man, I've been at least 10 different versions of myself since we last talked, <laughs> you know, and like, well, the things that I'm working on as some are, some are the same and some are different, but the enoughness piece, that is one that stays right. And it's this idea of how you show up exactly right now is okay, right? Like yesterday I could barely get myself out of bed, right? I was just feeling sad. I was feeling sad. And I think what I would have, what I, how I have treated this in the past is that I would have been like, you lazy piece of shit. You knew that you're supposed to get up and you were supposed to work out and you were supposed to go take yourself on your artist date and you were supposed to do all these things, right? But instead it was this, Love, I was just loving. I was just loving to myself, and I wasn't attacking reasons. I wasn't like, Oh, I'm laying in bed because of you know the way that my my I was abused as a child, and this is happening, and this is happening, and you know, this is going on in life right now, and everything just feels so heavy. It was just like, I feel sad, and I feel like I want to lay in bed right now, and that's okay. And so, the enoughness is not to excuse our shitty behavior, it's not to um, continue to, you know, be unchanging and be the way that we want to be right. Um, it's that we're allowing ourselves to be fully in the human experience and knowing that that's the whole, we're going to get the whole spectrum of human emotions. We're going to just live it and be in it. And I'm not going to beat myself up for, uh, going back to feel good fascism, For not always optimizing myself, for not getting up and doing the things that I know are good for me, right? Most of the time I do those things and sometimes I don't and that's okay. Um, And so that not enoughness is just a place of acceptance. doesn't mean that you want to stay there. doesn't mean that it's the best way to be. Um, It just makes way for you to grow and to evolve into something else because you're not resisting what is.
0: Thanks for sharing that with us. Do you do a, Lisa and I do a word of the year every year. Is enoughness your word for 22?
2: It is not. That was my word for last year. Um, completion is actually my word for, for this year.
0: That was so. my word last year.
2: Oh, really? Wow. Did you get a lot of shit done? Cause that's what I'm aiming for this year.
0: I don't know. I'm, we're <laughs> reflecting on that. We're reflecting on that. Um, uh,
1: I love the story that you told about, you know, laying in bed because yesterday we kind of had that same thing and you have the shoulds. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. And you should yourself, right? That whole
2: thing, the whole time you're doing yourself. it. Yeah, I know,
1: right? So I, I really appreciate you sharing that. That really hits home.
0: Yeah. This has been a good conversation. Thank you for uh, honoring us with all of your candor.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was really fun. I, I, it's a good way to start, to start my morning. So mm-hmm. thank you.
0: Any
1: closing thoughts? Uh, no, I think we've really kind of touched on a lot of things that are like near and dear to our hearts and hopefully have kind of hit home to some other people as well. Um, just kind of the journey, um, showing up the way that we feel that we should be showing up, not stepping into other people's versions of ourselves and oh, being enough. We Ooh. are enough.
0: I want to close off with a couple of, of katie if you will. From the moment we begin our formal education, we're conditioned to be good little worker bees from high school graduation to college, college graduation to entry-level jobs, and entry-level job to climbing the ranks. You'll have a consistent paycheck and a thinly-veiled promise of security, but you're caught in a vicious cycle that only cares about profits. Purpose is a thing that our economic system has inherently steered away from. People who are fulfilled and living their purpose aren't good consumers, but people who do have purpose create their own happiness, health, and wealth, and that's no good for an economic system that's based on infinite growth. Purpose, passion, and meaning are intimately connected when we do things that are meaningful to others that clearly shows through. So there's some of my favorite uh that I pulled from, your, from stalking you.
2: Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for stalking me. I appreciate that.
0: It's been a good show. I think the takeaway for me is that you are enough. We are each of us enough in our own inherent right if we've put in the time and the the energy to sort of understand what enough means to us and what is of real value to us. And learning to say no in the the long term, while it might add us some gratification in the term of currency or economic value or being liked by somebody, ultimately it holds no breath and it has no sort of integrity to it and it just sort of eventually fades away. But if you want to have a real value, if you want to leave a real legacy – and that legacy doesn't mean that you have a street named after you or you have a building that is encapsulated in your honor – leaving a legacy for me is – what lives have you touched in a positive kinder gentler more loving way throughout the life that you've lived on this planet and and that's the legacy and i think that if people sort of learn to say no and say yes to the things that add value to them then they're going to be happier kinder softer gentler and enable them to leave a better legacy for people so thank you for shining your brightness on us today really appreciate your time and uh, how
1: can people get more of katie
0: Katie they they, you got a couple of different websites and podcasts can you just drop a little bit how people can find you
2: yeah probably the best way to find me right now I'm kind of going through some shifting because I have a new project that is launching called the dying project probably the best way to find me is on LinkedIn um so if you're here watching on LinkedIn or uh, that's that's going to be the best way um but also you can find me at katiewallace.substack.com
0: and we'll put that in the show notes after the show is produced. So uh, this sure. will be this will and, and we'll share all that stuff with you afterwards. You'll get an email after the show's over from Shy, kind of explaining next steps and what happens and all that. Beautiful. Okay. Hey, thank you for your time. It was thank really you good. so much. I hope we can stay connected with you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you.
0: All right, cheers to you. So that was a good show. That was um, fabulous. I really like that conversation. We have to, if you wanted to do the recap, we have to do it in the same recording. Okay. So um, this is just sort of the cut so that um, Shai knows and everyone else who's producing this knows. And this is your, you're supposed to say drop a beat, three, two, one, beat. So Yeah.
1: So what we want to do is like an introduction to our podcast. We'll do a little uh, personal talking and then talk about what we like best about our podcast today.
0: Okay, so I did that introduction already, sort of, but do you want me to do another one? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. All right. All right. Welcome to the Mind Body Business Podcast with Lisa and Devo. I'm Devo, not Lisa. Next to me is the, in all her infinite glory, is Lisa. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Today on our show, we have invited Katie Wallace. I first met Katie Wallace on LinkedIn about three years ago and was really impressed with sort of her, and I hate using this word, but her authenticity and her genuine nature and approach to putting content on. What's traditionally is sort of a rather boring platform to me, and it's no longer the case, but it kind of was in, 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 you know, back in 2017 and 18 when I first discovered her. Um, so she's a uh, – I would classify Katie as a public servant that teaches people how to take back their power and move beyond mental health blocks. And she knows this because she has sort of in living colored lived it and breathed it and done it herself. She suffered from depression and alcoholism and drug use and was almost arrested at 19 years old. And So she has sort of learned to grapple with her own inner demons if you will, to come out on the other side a stronger, better version of herself which inherently is the, is the nature of, of being, right? Is to become a better version of ourselves. So she's a curious questioner. Um, she literally questions everything and she's a bit of an oddball uh, and a little bit weird um, which is why I thought she'd be a perfect fit for our show because everyone knows how weird you are and and in alignment with that and I just thought it'd be fun to have a conversation with her because of all the things she's doing um, there's a direct correlation to some of the stuff that we do Mm -hmm. and uh, because of her spirit and her nature I thought that we would be energetically aligned Mm so welcome to the show Katie. Yeah
1: so we've really enjoyed the conversation that we've had with her. There's some highlights that we probably will kind of want to talk a little bit about right now, but what I liked, uh, besides all the other wonderful things that she was talking about is the fact that you were discussing, um, different ways to market and slip into people's DMS. (laughs) You want to talk a little bit about that? Some of the salacious,
0: uh, (laughs) I mean, you, you know that I get proposed to and hit up on, I don't, I don't know if this is a a context of the algorithm. I feel like I follow only inspirational stuff on Instagram, but Mm -hmm inherently i get the most ridiculous salacious dms from people and i just want i just never understood why that sort of content is allowed and other people who are actually Mm -hmm. dropping intellectual thought seed is not so it's interesting
1: i'm getting a lot of bitcoin why why are you getting salacious you know offers i get get
0: bitcoin too and
1: i get i get a lot of bitcoin and because i'm so needy i respond to those comments just to help my algorithm and get me up there i'll do anything for the gram
0: This is true. Anything for the gram. Uh, Today's podcast is sponsored by Sprout Connectors. They are a brand imagination accelerators for small businesses and entrepreneurs and help them craft and develop their brand message with both compelling and strategic content for ignition and optimization. So thank you, Sprout, for being our sponsor on this wonderful day, rainy day in Hilton Head, South Mm -hmm. Carolina.
1: So we're going to learn all about how to say no
0: about how to say no and I'm how to practice and that how to say yes no you don't need to practice that, you always, practice that with you today but you, honestly you just always say yes to me
1: honestly i think for for myself personally that's something that i really need to um work on throughout my life there's been so many opportunities that i should have said no and i didn't and there's reasons for that isn't there yeah. Sometimes we just want people please. Sometimes we don't realize we can actually say no. Sometimes we don't realize what the response is from saying no and what the fallout from saying no or yes could be. And we need to kind of take all of those things into consideration.
0: I, I struggle with the whole concept of saying no from the standpoint of had we said no, would we have not learned that lesson? Right? right. Or do we say no and it would have just been a more optimal experience in of itself, but then we wouldn't have learned that lesson. So I, I don't know that I'm um, saying I like to reframe it. Learn to say no after you realize it that it's no longer in your best interests because a lot of times you can say yes to things but you just don't know enough about it yet. But once you get into that space and you realize that it 's not adding any value and and instead actually adding malice to your life, then you need to be able to say no at that point and step away from it. I think that's for me is a better juxtaposition than just saying. Because a lot of times you say no, you say yes to things because you just don't have enough information and you mm-hmm. sort of have to make the decision on the fly, right? Mm-hmm. But once you get into it, if, you re- if you've then realized that it's no longer in your best interest, then say no. I'm mm-hmm. going to practice that today with you. No, you don't.
1: Except when you say, hey, do you want some lunch? I'll be like, yes. <laughs>
0: yes. <of. laughs> all right. It's been a good show. Thank you for all your value and insights. As usual, you are a breath of fresh air. Katie, thank you. It's been fantastic. And we will see you on the other side.